You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is written by rural leaders to rural leaders. And so if you are serving the church in a small town in any way, shape, or form, and you want to be better equipped to do what God has called you to do in these small, out-of-the-way places that matter so much to the kingdom of God, you have tuned in to the right podcast. We want you to feel equipped and empowered and encouraged and all the positive words because honestly, rural ministry matters, you matter, and we are so excited you've tuned in today. So if you've caught our last several episodes, we have been going through a series on discipleship and listening to different rural voices as they speak about what their church is doing and what God is doing really in the rural church on discipleship. Today we're going to shift gears a little bit and move into talking about a rural resource, right? From time to time, we want to make sure that just beyond this podcast, we find books and articles and other podcasts and and different voices that can speak to you as a rural pastor that you can read on your own, look at on your own, where it would uh, help you, again, find some of the same material where there are people who get it, people who have been there, who have done this amazing and weird thing we call rural ministry, who are speaking right to your heart. And so we have done that today. Uh, There's a book that I came across a couple months ago. Um, It's called God's Country, Faith, Hope, and the Future of the Rural Church by a gentleman named Brad Roth. Um, Brad Roth is a pastor in rural Kansas. That is not the only thing he's ever done. Of course, he's had quite an awesome ministry career. The cool part about this particular resource is on next week's podcast, we actually get to sit down and have an interview with Brad Roth, the author of this book, and hear his heart and why he wrote it and why it matters to him so much. Um, But today, I really kind of want you to catch my perspective and my heart for this book because, again, um, I'm not really doing this in a vacuum in terms of, you know, enjoying talking about rural. This is something that I'm living myself and a journey that I'm on and have been on for several years. And so today, hopefully, you'll get to hear a little bit more of my story mixed in with what this book has done for me. And so maybe it's a book that you would love to order off Amazon. It's available there. It's obviously a paperback. It's relatively cheap. It's awesome. I love when things are affordable, mostly because I like to buy a lot of books and it's really painful when they're not affordable. So uh, without further ado, I want to dive right into this. So for this podcast today, basically, It's going to be, I don't even know if rambling is the right word, because I definitely have some things I want to say in particular, but it's really just a a mix of my life mixed in with the principles of this book. And so hopefully by listening to some of my own journey and and hearing about God's Country, this book by Brad Roth, hopefully we can come together to maybe understand more, and hopefully it kind of inspires you to pick up this book and give it a try, because I know for me, It really was a game changer. There's some awesome stuff in this book as we get to hear about this week and next week. So all that to say, the first thing I love about this book, like any good book that I pick up, is that it provides an awesome perspective shift. I really enjoy when things can help me see things going from one way all the way to another way and take me on the journey in between. Uh, For example, um, a lot of people might pick up this book and they might love rural places already. They might say, yeah, I've been pastoring the rural church. I love the rural church. And they're going to reflect on this book as another voice that aligns with their own. Some people might pick up this book and say, man, I don't really like rural church at all, but this book teaches us how to value it. And some people might pick up this book 
and expect to find maybe a resource that talks down to other kinds of, or other parts, I guess, of the body of Christ and lifts up the rural church at the expense of other places. But honestly, that's not the case, right? And so wherever you're at on that spectrum, here's why I love this book and its perspective shift. First of all, uh, it's really tempting when you live in a small place to kind of get a chip on your shoulder. And again, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody other than myself, um, because I too, like definitely have felt at times that I'm in a small out of the way place and boy, howdy, I, I do just wish that people would, you know, do things closer where I didn't have to drive so much and think about, you know, valuable small town churches like myself, that attitude exists. But sometimes we as rural pastors can get kind of this chip on our shoulders where we look at other parts of the body of Christ, whether it's urban places or megachurch, and we kind of have this sense of disdain of, uh, well, we're doing church authentically in community and we see the value of our own context. And at the same time, we kind of sit back in judgment on larger churches in larger places and say, well, they must have watered down the gospel. They must do things in a shallow way, blah, 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 blah. Insert your gripe here. And to some extent, I get it. There are a lot of people in bigger places who don't think twice about the royal church and vice versa. And honestly, as the body of Christ, we got to work with each other. However, one thing I love about this book is that this book refuses to do that. This book refuses to lift up rural at the expense of urban, and it refuses to lift up small churches at the expense of big ones. And I think that's more powerful than we realize, because if the body of Christ is going to get on together, we got to figure that out. we got to be able to value each other for what we bring to the table. So I really loved that, that general thought. And another thing I really love is uh, this book does not exactly paint a picture of rural that is just all sunshine and roses. I'm sure if you've been in rural ministry for any amount of time, just like living anywhere, as soon as you add the human element, there's some pain involved, right? Like some people are stubborn. Some people misunderstand you. Sometimes you accidentally hurt others. Sometimes they hurt you. Sometimes there's just this this toughness to rural ministry. There are a lot of pastors who leave rural ministry because the people seem too tough and change seems too slow and this seems too whatever. And so one thing I love about this book, God's Country, is that it does not gloss over rural issues. It does not gloss over the fact that we live in communities that are flawed. Now, don't get me wrong. They are lovely and they are awesome and I would not want to minister anywhere else, frankly, and yet they are flawed. And that's okay to acknowledge. It doesn't make them any less. It doesn't make big places anymore. No one's getting insulted here. It's just a matter of this book does a great job of being honest about the body of Christ in both rural and, and larger places. Another thing that I really appreciate about this book, and this is a little bit of my own journey, is uh, I like to go fast, not just in a car speeding sometimes, which I am always trying to work on, but I definitely like the pace of change and the pace of life to be quick, quick, quick. It's definitely a flaw of mine, and I'm sure there's parts where it's a strength, but sometimes it feels like a flaw. And um, one of the things I had to learn is when I moved to a smaller church, um, because I came from the largest town in Montana, Billings, Montana, which is still, to some of you listening, might not be a large, large town. It's 150,000 in the greater area. But um, it's the biggest thing that Mon Montana's got as far as a city. And I moved to Baker, which is a town of between 1,200 people and 1,700 people, depending on the day and which pipelines rolling in and out and the season of the year and all these things. And one of the things I recognized is that at my larger church, um, which was still, again, not huge, but you could make changes and not necessarily have to worry about all the opinions involved. And that's not a slight on anybody. It's just saying that, that it didn't necessarily 
have to be, well, every person checks yes on this box. And then I moved to a small town and I realized that, hey, for better or for worse, which I've grown to really love this kind of accountability, but at the beginning I kind of chafed under it of like, whatever I wanted to do, it required approval from what seemed like everybody. You know, if there was a grandma who didn't like what I was doing or a church member who was really not on board, it wasn't easy to hide. You know, I, um, I had to laugh because uh, when I first moved to my current town, um, there was a family that uh, I was trying to get their kid to come to youth group, and, and the family handed me a book that said that youth ministry was dividing the church. And they meant well. Um, they were trying to give me, uh, I think, maybe some advice on why family ministry matters, and that's fine. I am all for family ministry. But it was funny that, like, one of my first Sundays there, here's a family that communicates to me, like, hey, what you're doing, we just don't agree with. And I think it's funny because this book does not shy away from the fact that rural churches are just kind of this interesting place. There's sometimes things do change a little slower. There tends to be lots of generations of things. And it's not all bad. Not all tradition is bad. Not all uh, time is bad. To, to have to take time to change a place is not bad. And honestly, there's a lot of good that doesn't need to be changed. And so... Um, I just love that. I just love that this book does not shy away from saying, hey, you're going to encounter people and forces in the rural church that are hard to get over, and that's okay. Um, I definitely feel at a different place after eight and a half years in rural ministry. And to be honest, though, like at the beginning, it really kind of shook me. I was like, whoa, I don't like this level of accountability. That's a lot to deal with. But again, it was a perspective shift, and I really loved it. And so I love that this book, again, does not shy away from it, but it says, hey, rural gets real. That's what it does. Um, it's just the funniest thing. You meet some interesting people, and honestly, all of them are good in their own way, and everyone's taught you something, you know? And that's some good stuff. If you're a rural minister, it's like, man, the whole congregation uh, is teaching us things all the time. Another thing I really like about this book is it really does well at highlighting why it matters. And the it that I'm referring to is rural places. I'll be the first to admit that when I lived in Billings, Montana, which if you don't know where Billings is or if you are not super familiar with Montana, we're kind of in the southeast part of Montana. And I use that term loosely because after Billings, if you try and get to the next closest state on the east side, which is North Dakota or South Dakota, it's still like a good, oh, I would say like four and a half you know, to maybe even five hours before you get to the next state. So when I say like Billings is in the southeast, I'm like, it's still kind of in the middle because Montana's a big state. But I really believed because Billings is the largest town in Montana, in my naivete, I really believed that like the state kind of started and stopped there. I was like, well, this is the biggest town and I live in the biggest town. So that's all that matters. And I completely spaced and really was not even aware of the dozens of communities that existed beyond Billings on the east side of the state. And these are all small towns. I mean, some of the biggest ones, like Miles City, had a population of, you know, seven to 10,000. Some of the smallest ones have populations of 25, you know, and you're dealing with all these rural communities. And for me, um, I really didn't know why rural mattered. Like, if you asked me, hey, how, do, how does rural church work? I'd be like, I, I don't know. And frankly, I'm not sure I care a ton, you know. And again, that's not to disdain I'm just looking back at, at 19, 20, 21 year old Joe and going, hey, I don't have any idea, you know, what the heck I'm like, like rural ministry is about and why it matters. And so this book 
talks so much in a good way about like why it is so important to give dignity and value to the rural church. And honestly, after eight and a half years, I finally agree. It took me some time, probably longer than it should have, but I have grown to love not just the fun parts of rural communities and rural church, but all of it, the hard stuff, the difficulties, um, the days where you're like, man, I'm frustrated by whatever's happening around me or the general tone of the place I'm in or, you know, insert problem here. I just love it. And I think that um, it is so overlooked and undervalued. And, and again, Brad Roth does an incredible job in his book of just saying, hey, rural matters. And it's not the only part of the body of Christ. And yet it communicates a powerful truth of the fact that God loves everyone everywhere in a town of 25, in a town of 150,000. God loves everyone everywhere. It's powerful stuff. One of the things that I also value about rural that I really think this book hit home is um, sometimes if we're really, 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 really honest with how pastors function is there's a lot of ambition behind the scenes, right? Like maybe not for everybody. Maybe you're listening to this and you say, well, I don't really identify with that at all. I'm pretty content to, you know, do what I'm doing where I'm at and I don't really need the accolades. And I'm like, you know what? Good for you. I am so incredibly proud of you as a minister because honestly like you have unlocked a key that I still uh, internally struggle with at times like it is definitely not my strong suit and ambition has been something I've wrestled with in my own life and so one of the things I love about this book is it acknowledges that rural has a way of humbling you just by putting you in a community and I think as rural pastors we need to be reminded that like the familiarity that sometimes feels gosh, almost claustrophobic of how much people know about your life is actually really comforting because it it keeps us humble. It keeps us connected to people who don't think you're all that. You know what I'm saying? For example, uh, you know, we talk about small town familiarity. My pastor's wife, who's also uh, my pastor, is my father-in-law. I married his daughter. It's going great if you're curious, but, uh, you know, it's uh, definitely an interesting work environment and we get along pretty well. But his wife, my mother-in-law, Uh, When they were moving here 15 years ago to take the church um, on as pastors, she rolled into town, and it's such a funny story to me because she rolled into town, gets to the gas station, and as she's fueling up, she has never been to this town. No one's ever met her that she is aware of. And someone comes up and says, hey, I recognize that your plates are from out of state or out of town, and are you that new pastor's wife for the Assembly of God Church? And she said, well, yes, I am. And it's so ridiculous. If we're being really honest, rural is so ridiculous because there is no reason a total stranger should know exactly who I am and where I'm coming from because of the plates at the gas station. It's ridiculous. But sometimes that familiarity as a rural pastor can feel kind of like scary or claustrophobic because you're sitting here saying, man, I am I am seen and that can be whew, just a lot to process. But what I love is that rural has a way of just keeping you grounded because no matter what, if you're the biggest big shot in the whole world, you're still just an ordinary person. One of the quotes from this book is, uh, it comes from uh, one of the chapters. I don't even know why I'm quoting that. It comes from the book, all right? You know, Jesus said it is written. I'm saying it is written in Brad Roth's book. It's the same thing. So it says this, most of us don't live great big lives. And even when we do, we still have to wait in line for the salad bar and make our beds. I love that sentiment. As someone who has struggled with ambition or, or struggles with sometimes saying, man, what, what am I doing? You know, I mean, and definitely not as much now, but I used to be like, oh, I, I'm in a small place and, and that's really out of the way. And I like being the center of attention and that's hard for me here. And like, 
But I love the familiarity now where I'm like, no matter what I do or where I go, I mean, I could fly all around the world and do crazy cool things, and I'm still just a dude at the grocery store in my small town, and I love it. So I really think it adds value to rural communities and even really adds value to that familiarity that comes with it. Um, another thing that I think is super cool about this book is it talks a lot about what success means. Now, I um, came from a family of construction workers. Uh, my dad has run a concrete business my whole life and still runs it, even though he's, gosh, 70 years old and should probably retire. But he is, uh, his name is Keith, and he is every ounce of an awesome construction worker, and he just uh, goes hard all the time. But I love my dad, and he has done some incredible things for shaping me as a person, as most dads do. And one of the things he instilled in me was he said, hey, Epley's, which, you know, it's my last name, Joe Epley, but he said, Epley's work hard. That's what we do. And all of my life, this has been how I measured productivity and success. And I said, hey, did I show up? Did I work harder than the next guy? Did I show up on time? And did I work hard? You know, it's been kind of the voice in the back of my head that if you want to be productive, if you want to be considered successful, it's going to involve a ton of doing, doing, doing. And that's great because I've been able to internalize that. And it has created a lot of drive in me to, you know, go and do things. And it's a lot of fun. But one of the downsides to that is that when I am doing something that doesn't feel like it has that direct level of output, that that doing, doing, doing hard work, I start to feel unproductive. And when I start to feel unproductive, I start to devalue things that matter a ton. And so then I move to a small town, right? Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you live in a small town and you're pastoring a small town or leading a small town, what are small towns known for? Honestly, being pretty blue collar and not in a bad way in a good way. Like when you live in a small town, you work hard. Um, when I think of a lot of the professions of people around me, I look around and go, man, I'm surrounded by ranchers and farmers and oil field people and construction workers and uh, mechanics and people doing trades like electricians and plumbers and, and metal workers. And, and, you know, and, and the list could go on, but like these are workers, workers, you know, they're out there getting things done in the hot sun. They're doing things. And as a pastor, I mark success as working harder than the next guy, not because it's biblical, but because it's who I am as a person. And so I have had to unlearn over the years, and I'm still in the middle of unlearning it, of what it means to be productive. And this book talks a lot about prayer and abiding. And I really want to highlight prayer because I think we, we treat prayer as like an add-on sometimes to our life. Like, oh, I did prayer with God, and then I got up and went to work, right? Like we treat it, or I took a break from work, to pray. And I think that the Brad Roth, he does an incredible job in this book, God's Country, of saying, hey, prayer is work. And to, you know, to the rural pastor who feels like they heard one too many times that classic joke. I don't know if you've ever heard this classic joke. I'm sure you have. But definitely I say it to my father-in-law a lot just to pick on him. But I say, uh, you know, I know it's not Sunday. I didn't know you did any work when it wasn't Sunday. Or, hey, how's it? what's it like working one day a week? You know, and that's kind of the perception. And whether it's real or not, it kind of sticks with you. And so one of the things I love about this book is it says, hey, you don't have to just fill your life with doing, doing, doing. Prayer is work. And it's important work. Especially in a rural town. Man, sometimes you're up against things that aren't going to change. And you know what's going to change them? Only prayer. And that's so exciting to me definitely has been a theme of my life where I'm like, man, I guess, I guess all I have left is prayer. And God's like, no, 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 no. You've just started. Like, this is the building block of your life, not just the afterthought. Also, 
in this book, one of the things that I think is so cool is that he kind of replaces, so we talked about success and like how he redefines success. So he replaces it with these cool markers for success. He talks about abiding before changing. He says that, hey, uh, rural towns need time. And I used to take that for granted. And I used to think to myself, well, I've been here, you know, a month. Why haven't any of these small town people seem to trust me yet is, is how I felt as a 21-year-old moving to a small town. Or I would say it after a year or two years or even five years. And even now, I'm almost nine years into my tenure as a small town pastor. And there are still parts of this community that are slowly opening up. And you're like, wow, that's so neat to see um, how cool it is that you gain trust. But honestly, I don't blame them. Man, like I used to kind of chafe under that and go, why, why don't people trust me or I'm here to do good? And they're like, hey, it's not about whether you're here to do good or not. But people naturally are going to test the waters to say, hey, you could be a flash in the pan. Are you in it for the good of the town? Or is this just something for you until something better comes along? And again, resent it, like it, love it, hate it. It's there. And so this book talks a lot about the importance of abiding so that change can come later, sure. And you can help people grow and be involved in their lives and their spirituality. But it takes time. Uh, The other one I thought was fun was the willingness to live with loose ends. In ministry, I love when people are neat and clean and don't come with any excess baggage or any confusing theology or any anything, right? And then I wake up and I hit snooze on my alarm and I say, time to stop dreaming. This is the real world because honestly, people are messy. And the thing about small towns is that loose ends, in a sense, in ministry are all around you because let's let's post a theory here. In a large church, in a large city, right? A church member could get upset and they might leave the church and you as the pastor are upset and you've tried to call them and it hasn't worked out. Well, guess what? In a big city, you're probably not going to run into them very often, right? Like you guys could shop at totally different grocery stores. You guys could visit totally different parts of town. Your houses could be located miles apart. And yet in a rural community, there's one grocery store. So guess what? I'm going to run into these people at the grocery store. And that's terrifying because suddenly, if something's not resolved, you don't really get the breathing space to say, well, I don't want to deal with it. It's around you. And so I love rural places because a marker of success is just continuing to minister to people. It doesn't have to wrap them in a bow. And to be honest, that's so helpful for me. It gives me a breathing moment to say, hey, you don't have to have everything perfect right now. Like people are people. Just roll with the punches. The last metric of success that I think is nice that it's redefined is kind of talking about doing life with versus numerical growth. Um, I know that if you have served in rural ministry for any amount of time, you have definitely been at the conference that says something of the following. A speaker gets on stage and they talk about how their church started as, as 25 people. And that's awesome. And you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, I have 25 people in my church. And then they start telling their story and they say, well, after 25 people, we prayed and God drew our church to 300. And I'm like, whew, 300 people in a 1,200 person town. I mean, I could stretch my faith some, but man, that's starting to sound hard. And then they say, and then we exploded. And six campuses later, we have 3,000 people in our church, just like the book of Acts. And it's so cool that God showed up in this big way. And I'm like, okay, you lost me. Because no matter how good I preach, and some of you are like, okay, you could preach better. I'm like, sure, sure, sure. Fine, fine, fine. I could improve. But it feels like no matter how good I do, you can't exactly have a church that's meeting in person on a Sunday morning that's bigger than the entire population of my town. And so one of the things that I love is it redefines success. 
is it talks a lot about congregational engagement. Are your people involved? And not just are there more of them or are there less of them, but are they getting involved in life in the church, doing life with one another? Talking about being a neighbor to those around you. Small towns preach neighborly goodness, and oftentimes they model it. But sometimes as pastors, we need to go out of our way to intentionally create it. We talk about the ability to connect with people, to listen to their story, to love them through every normal rhythm of life. When you're a pastor in a small town for a long time, you might get to marry people, bury people, graduate people, raise the kids of people, pastor, you know, like you get to do all these things in one family. And that's cool. You know, the longevity there. And so if I could just wrap it up and don't forget next week, we get the amazing opportunity to uh, check in with Brad Roth personally and hear his heart behind this book and some of the cooler concepts that I didn't even touch on today. Like I'm just talking about what spoke to me, but I encourage you to get it. It's on Amazon. It's called God's Country, Faith, Hope, and the Future of the Royal Church by Brad Roth. So for now, we'll catch you next week. Go back and check out some of those episodes on discipleship. And again, tune in to check out Brad Roth's interview. Thank you for tuning into Rural Advancement. And as a final encouragement, just remember you are in a small place that God sees doing work for his kingdom. He's right there with you. You matter and it's exciting. We'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.